Hello and welcome everyone to another special midweek episode um, on the ERB podcast platform. Um, as you will hear, this is a very unusual voice for a host, um, if I can use that term very loosely. It's Ant um, from a very, very rainy Cape Town. And I'm joined by Phil, um, who's in potentially slightly less part of Cape Town. Less yeah, it's rainy still, Cape Town. still rainy. I'm still miserable, but uh, it's not too bad. I think it's getting better. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so... Um, Given that we are referred to very often um, in the echoes of the pod as the, the more statistically minded uh, members of the pod, we thought that we should try and break down a little bit more of the stats um, behind some of the games um, to kind of just potentially uh, maybe maybe bring a bit more meat <laughs> to, to the high levels of banter. Um, hopefully we can deliver on the latter part of that as well. But what we'd like to focus on is, is kind of compare the, the stats from the last three Springbok versus All Blacks games with a mind to try and see how the teams are trending, um, who's on an upwards trajectory, who's on a downwards trajectory, and ultimately try and see if we can make any predictions for the Japan game, the opening test between the two of us, um, that will hopefully determine yeah, the paths to the final. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, the main thing that we've noticed is we're looking at the last three games between the All Blacks and the Springboks. So that's last year in Wellington, last year in Pretoria, and then the match from the weekend, also in Wellington. And I think the biggest thing to take out of it is just how different each of those matches has played out. Um, so when you're looking at last year, Springboks' famous win in Wellington, it was characterized by All Blacks dominating positions, uh, South Africa making tons of tackles, and then South Africa obviously capitalizing on mistakes and ultimately squeaking out the win. And then the, the following match in Pretoria was almost opposite with Springboks actually dominating more possession and just more of the territory in the match in general. But then the All Blacks managing to score a try more and come out with a victory. And then this, mo this most recent weekend, it was a lot more even, I guess. Uh, Springboks having better of the first half and then the All Blacks roaring back into it, but then obviously Herschel Yankees with that amazing try in the last minute, which was oh, just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing quite beats that feeling of scoring a last minute try, even if you don't get the win. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I think a lot of people have you know tried or echoed both sides of the debate is you know can you ever have a winner and a draw? Um, but I yeah definitely think South Africa can come out of this feeling like they. They won that draw. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if it was a one-off match, or even if it was just in the rugby championship, you'd be having a different feeling. But everyone knows that this is building, like we are now, to the World Cup. And it's all about getting that advantage in that sense. So getting a draw in New Zealand gives, I think it gives the Springboks that psychological edge. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, And I think... The way that we achieved it is also quite um, important in the sense that Springbok teams of the last two, three years have not been able, I suppose South African teams in general, we've developed a habit of losing games in the last minute, two minutes, three minutes to generally all blacks teams. Um, yeah. But we've kind of showing in the last couple of Springbok games we've had, you know, the game against France comes to mind, that we've got that, that grit and the determination to, you know, keep pushing through until the 79th, the 80th, the 83rd minute um, to find that last score. 
which is, yeah, it's a very, very nice habit to see developing amongst our sides. Um, something that definitely hasn't been there in, yeah, at least the relative the, the, uh, past. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that, I think. I think it's a combination then. Like, on some level, it must be fitness, but you would hope that all teams are fit, like, to a degree. So then, in addition, like, concentration and just, like, sort of mental fortitude and all of that sort of good intangible stuff, I think. Yeah, and just... I think also just a good amount of just self-belief, saying that, you know what, we can, you know, pass it wide in the 79th minute, go down the touchline and put a chip forward, and we're going to score from it. You know, that kind of ballsy play is something that New Zealand will go for you know, nine times out of ten, but you wouldn't normally have seen that type of um, yeah, roll of the dice from some of our teams. I don't think the players often would have believed that they could pull something like that off, um, which we're now starting to see develop, which is very exciting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully we can develop into a place where you know teams are playing us and they're not feeling comfortable with a 10-point lead with five minutes to go. Um, you know, I certainly feel that way when we play New Zealand, but it <laughs> doesn't really matter <laughs> how big yeah. the, the score gap is. As Pretoria last year proved, you know, we can have a 15-point gap with 20 minutes to play, but that's, that's not Yeah, I, I actually remember so watching that match that when you're talking about the Pretoria one. So when South Africa had a 15- or 20-point lead, I made a bet with Alex, obviously, um, that I bet that the Springboks would win, and he, bet, he said the All Blacks would win, and I, Springboks had a 15-point advantage, so I actually did feel confident. <laughs> and um, ultimately, I lost a bit, so I had to drink something after the match or something along those lines, but it just shows um, you can never be too confident, even, even with a 15-point lead. Yeah, but I think, yeah, hopefully, again, the way that we're trending is that if we were to play that test and we'd be in the last 10 minutes this year round, hopefully we would close it out. Um, yeah. And I think it's those types of those small intangibles, as you say, that's going to, um, yeah, come be, be be the point of difference when it comes to Japan. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So should we should we dive into some of the stats? I mean, what what do you feel is kind of if you just look at um, the picture in front of you, what's the the, the most obvious jumping out, um, yeah, thing? Um, yeah. So I would say that. The possession stats are just going to be really interesting. So um, in Wellington, South Africa had 25% possession. And that is, um, I think that's almost unheard of for two sort of tier one teams going at it, even if it is the All Blacks, um, having 25% of the ball. Uh, however, scoring five tries with 25% of the ball is ridiculous. Um, but then in Pretoria, South Africa then had 59%. And then in Last weekend, it was 43, so it was more even, but still, overall, the All Blacks, um, you would say they were fairly dominant in terms of the possession by the end of the match. So I think that South Africa are comfortable to not have the majority of the ball and to rely on their tackling, just because, as we've seen and as we know, their tackling and the players that make the tackles... um, they're so confident in that. So last weekend, they made 153 tackles and missed 28. So that, that was an 85% tackle conversion rate. But I guess what you don't see in those stats is, you know, like some of the impacts of those tackles. And even sometimes, you know, the missed tackles when it's the rush defense, like for every one tackle like Am makes that um, actually hits and drives them back, 
even a missed tackle can put the other team under pressure and force them to like sort of retreat and um, not be able to pass it wide and not be able to finish the move. So I think the match in, I think it's Yokohama, um, it's going to be interesting to see who, which team dominates possession and which team will be forced to make more tackles. Um, especially seeing it as it's the first game of the World Cup, like neither team will want to get tired out. And I guess that even the Springboks, they won't want to have to make that many tackles knowing that they've still got uh, three more pool games after that. Yeah, I mean, I think fortunately we have a relatively easy pool apart from the All Blacks. I suppose one has to be careful saying that since Italy is in the pool, but you know, there there should be more than enough scope to rest and rotate players. So I think I don't think coaches would be too stressed about you know throwing the kitchen sink at it in the first game, given they've got three more weeks to to rest before the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. But yeah, touching on your your point of um, possession, if you look at the the, the kicks. The kicks in play. Um, you can see a definite trend that the Springboks have been kicking more and more. It was 15-10 in the first game, 20 all in Pretoria, and this last game was 26-19. So the Springboks have been adding five kicks in play um, per game. So I think they yeah. really are focusing on on pinning the All Blacks back in their own territory, making them try and attack from deep, um, giving themselves time to set that rush defense and really try and pressure the All Blacks into making you know, d- defensive mistakes. I mean, Richie Moana got charged down twice. Um, the centers got, you know, caught behind the game line quite often. That rush defense from Anne is very, very effective. Um, yeah. You know, and as you were saying, even even just the guys that, you know, I mean, Peter Steftitoy is sometimes called out for not having great uh, tackle completion percentage. But, you know, that's also part of the game plan where the point is for him to just fly up as quickly as possible put the 10 under an enormous amount of pressure, try and force him back inside towards the forwards. Like that is going to lead to higher missed tackle percentages. Um, but it's all yeah. about trying to create pre- um, pressure on the opposition um, and give them limited amount of time to, to make decisions with. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's a very deliberate strategy to try and keep the blacks as much as possible. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how much, if, if that trend continues, are they going to be kicking 30 times in, in um, Yokohama? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Go back to twenty-five percent possession set. I don't think that's likely, but um, yeah. I think I think at the moment, given our, I suppose we're all quite aware that we don't have the most gifted backline. You know, we don't have a Sunny Bill Williams at twelve or a Lamapia at twelve that can kind of create things out of half chances. We don't have a Bowden Barrett at ten that can you know create just a try out of nothing. Um, yeah. I think we're aware that we're going to get our attacking opportunities with. Off, off opposition errors rather than us creating them in the midfield. So I think we're quite happy to be like, you know what, I'll, you're not going to breach our back line. We've got big boys in, in the middle there that you're not going to get past them. Um, but, and on attack, we're probably not going to get past you. So we'll let you just have it. And when you drop it, we're going to score. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like saying that someone like De Allender, he obviously gets a lot of criticism for his sort of lack of imagination with the ball. Um, but looking this past weekend, you know, he made five tackles and didn't miss any. And he also just like, he was part of the reason that Sonny Bill was so quiet and he got smothered. Um, and him and Am on defense, like the partnership that they had before they went off, which I still think was like inexplicably early. Um, but that yeah. showed quite a lot of promise. So if, if that's the first choice, <laughs> you know, um, that's, I think that's something that Springbok fans can be, feel quite positive about. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think there's been a lot of merry-go-rounding in our centres 
kind of since 2013, 2014, you know, we had a season with JJ Engelbrecht at 13 for a second, for a whole season. Let's not remind us. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, it's nice that we're kind of finally establishing that we've got a clear first two outside centers. Yes, they're very, very different players, but, um, you know, they bring their different strengths. You've got Jesse Creel, who's much more of the athlete, the strong direct runner. And then you've got Am, who's a bit more cerebral, but more in the Conrad Smith type mold, um, who I feel is, is the better defensive player. Um, yeah, he, I think he reads the game a little bit better, um, and he's got that ability on the ground, which is also quite nice. Um, but Delendi has been incredibly impressive for me. I remember he topped the Super Rugby missed tackle stats two or three seasons ago. Um, right. But if you compare that to his, his gameplay at the moment, he's you know, making making all of his hits and being dominant in them. Um, and yeah, so I definitely give him a lot of credit for that because I was. Yes, he's not the most creative player. I mean, that's probably as much as people say that's a game plan thing or he's just been, <laughs> been coached out of him. That's not really the point. The point is he does play quite a bland game on attack. But my yeah. biggest criticism generally was always his defense. Um, but the fact that he showed that up um, really you know, gives me a lot of confidence with him being our starting 12. Um, but I am in the camp that would like to see what Stain can bring just because I back sure. Stain's ability to kick more than Delendi's. Uh Every time the ball goes anywhere near Delendi's foot, I have a mini heart attack. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, by that virtue alone, I'd rather have Stain on the field. But um, yeah. But yeah, the way the way that he has improved is has been good to see. Um, and it's yeah, it's been nice to see how yeah these players have developed over the last couple of years, whether it's direct involvement from Rossi or whether it's just players getting experience. I have a feeling it's the former. Um, you know, if you kind of look at the way the Sharks were defending this year with Mpimpi and Am very much doing that same kind of rush pattern um, yeah, sure. throughout the season, there definitely seems to be some uh, top-down uh, dictation of how teams should be playing and how they should be defending. And, you know, that's translated into Am this year being a much, much more effective, okay, sure, it's only been one test, but was the All Blacks, but being a much more effective marshal of that wide channel rush defense Relative, say, against the test against England, where you know they skinned us around the outside as often as they wanted to. Um, exactly. So it's nice to see that the, those patterns developing in our play that we are actually starting to click. I mean, it was quite a a big gamble bringing in a completely new high-risk defensive strategy a year out from the World Cup, but it seems like it's starting to you know solidify. Yeah, and those, like you said, those first few tests. Um... Especially at this, because it happened at the beginning of the test against England, it was like, what are we doing? This is just asking for trouble. But um, to be fair to Rossi, he asked us to be patient. And we still saw on the weekend against New Zealand that it's susceptible to, you know, one one mistake makes it easy to go around. Or I say easy. I mean, we saw how close Barrett was to the touchline. But um, yeah, and it's also, I mean, Barrett, who's probably, you know, one of the most dangerous loose play runners in the exactly. world yeah, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not like you know the italian attack was waltzing through us it's you know the combination of some of the best players in the world doing it once exactly and if you look at just how effectively in the match as a, as a whole we managed to close down the all blacks who you know are i think it's fair to say the best attacking team in the world um i think some fijians giving... might argue but yes I agree. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, given given that, I think giving that one chance, the one try that they scored, it's pretty impressive to to even just to keep them down to one try. It's pretty impressive, and we know that maybe if Mapimpi um, had held on, like held his defensive line and tackled the right man, maybe it would have been different. But um, 
yeah, that's obviously hard to say, but I yeah, think I'm, it's definitely positive. Yeah, I don't, I don't think one can look back too much and, and wonder about the what ifs. Um, yeah, you know, then you just get bogged down, and in that case, you know, the Hurricanes would have been in the Super Rugby final, and the Jags would have won. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, I mean, it's the right. Yeah, I mean, so I was going to say it's the same thing as like sort of looking at Dwayne Vermeulen losing the ball. You can't say, okay, that caused the try. It's, like one turnover doesn't lead directly to a try. I mean, the same because yeah. Kocha was right there. He probably should have done a bit better to make sure the ball didn't get stolen. You know, when you're that close in support, you should be making a more effective clean. Um, so, yeah, it's. It's not worth looking at those individual incidents. No, exactly. Uh, but just to bring us back a little bit more towards the stats, two things that jumped out at me, the one much more obvious than the other is obviously goal kicking. Um, right. We know that Barrett has his struggles. But if you look at you know, the All Blacks conversion and penalty accuracy, it was 33% conversions in Wellington last year. They improved their penalties um, and conversions in Pretoria, they're sitting 75%, but that still was lower than yeah. our 100%. And now, again, right. they must, you know, their penalty goals were back down at 60% um, in Wellington this year. And it's, you know, that, that's cost them, that cost them the game in Wellington last year. It cost them the win um, against us uh, this weekend. So they really need to sort that out, whether it's just the fact that Barrett cannot kick an Adidas ball. Um, that's Matt's <laughs> statistically backed theory that he's, you know, aired on the pod. Yeah, um, and I've read so, something. So potentially at the World Cup, that will be less of a factor. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why they're keeping um, Richie on the field. Um, maybe Geordie will stay at fullback or right wing so they can give him an extra option. But I don't think, I don't think we can rely on them missing goals for us to win games, um, which is, in all honesty, be, been the reason we won last year and we were able to draw this year is because they decide to leave so many points out on the field. Um, but the other thing that's been very interesting is, is for a team that's got such tall timber as Lourdes de Yara, Achilles Neyman, um, even Etzebeth, they've dominated us in the lineouts in each of the games. Last year, it was 93 versus 88. Pretoria yeah. was 87 versus 85. Wellington, we had a very particularly bad game, but it was 83 versus 77. Um, yeah, so in every single one of the matches, they've been better than us or better, yeah. So. Better than us in the lineups, yeah, which is a worrying statistic. I mean, if we, you know, everyone always says that the, the starting point to winning game is dominating your set piece. And if we're giving away, you know, 20% of our lineups as we were in Wellington, that's, yeah. you know, people are going to be worried. The opposition's aren't going to be worried to kick the ball out now 22 because they've yeah. got a one in five chance of getting it back. Um, so that's, you know, it's been an issue. We know Marks and Bongi both have their issues on the throw. Um, it's something that I, I suppose we really would have hoped would have sorted itself out by now. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is, I think if there's one area, one relatively easy area to fix um, before Yokohama, I would hope that they focus on getting that line out sorted. Um, yeah. Obviously all the blame just fall at the hooker's feet, but um, you know, sometimes if Lewis just gets a ball and can't catch it and hits him in the nose, that's kind of his own fault. But <laughs> yeah, we need I mean, to, that to sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> that one looked like you know he didn't have much of an excuse seeing that it went straight through his hands pretty much <laughs> that's what i'm saying like it, it, yeah. you know people like to, to point the blame immediately at the hooker but it's normally you know it's a systems problem generally um, yeah for sure so that that area of the game does need to be 
tightened up before the World Cup. We can't be going in with an 80% line-out record. Yeah. What's quite interesting, I think, like, so the Springboks have obviously that worst percentage, but they've never lost more than two lineouts. So quite often it's even like the timing of the lineouts too. It's because it does seem like it's worse worse of a problem than even like the sort of two or three percent difference that it has been in some of these matches so like this past weekend when Bongi came on and he lost his first line out and it went straight over it was at like such a crucial part of the game so it's not even like it's just a sort of more meaningless line out at a time in the match where it doesn't have a big impact so I don't know if maybe the pressure yeah last year um, yeah, you know that, that line out just before half time, which led directly to a try to them. Like exactly, yeah. You know, it, it's one line out or two line outs in a game isn't significant, but if it's on your defending five yard, then it's one is enough to lose the game on. You know, so yeah, I think potentially you know those 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 percentages are skewed. We have fewer line outs in each of those games, probably because they we're just kicking out more, so the the All Blacks have more line outs. So we're right. stealing as many as we're losing, but. The point is, is that we're losing them in very vital situations. Um, yeah, exactly. And that that can cost you a game. Yeah, I think um, one of the other interesting things to note is that in all three of these games, the scrum which the Springboks lost in this last match was the first scrum either team had lost in all three of the Test matches. So that was the last one before Malherba, and I think the rest of the front row all came off. So the scrums have pretty much been quite steady from both teams in terms of at least clean wins and losses. Um, this stat, I think, doesn't include penalties. So I know that there's been some penalties given either way, but this was, I think, um, a penalty against the team which has the ball. That's what happened this weekend. So that's quite a worry that it happened at all. But hopefully, you know, it's a once-off based on it being a once-off in these three tests so far. Yeah, I mean, that's what they were suggesting. I mean, the guys on the main pod, they were kind of saying that they just think Rusty got his timing slightly off. They brought on the, you know, the fresh guys just a little bit too late, just in time for, for the All Blacks props to give them a proper run. Um, but, you know, the fact that we stabilized and got dominance immediately after we brought our subs on, um, I don't think I'm too concerned about that. Um, I think, yeah, it's hopefully just, you know, a, a timing of substitutes error rather than yeah. anything. Um, you know, I think the, our depth and prop is brilliant. Um, it's a really, yeah, really healthy. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. I think it's, but yeah, we, I think we just need to be a bit more fluid about when we bring our subs on because yeah, we can't yeah. let that happen again, you know, give away a crucial, a crucial penalty on attack or defense um, in a world cup game. Um, yeah, just, just, you know, our props are tied. Yeah, and I think Malherba is just the one guy that people will look to just because he always just looks like he's tired. I don't know if that's very harsh, <laughs> but um, he gets a lot I mean, of the criticism. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to see his. I mean, they always maintain that he's one of the highest working props. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of need to see the stats every week to really believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we um, yeah we can see his tackle. His tackles like this last weekend were very low, but um, again, we, we don't have stats like Rucks attended and that sort of thing to know how involved he's getting or if he's just jogging exactly. around the field like aimlessly. So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those tricky things. I mean, you know, Bongi and 
Pretoria, uh, sorry, against Australia last week also had like two or three tackles, yeah. which is, you know, you would think is shocking. But, you know, if he's hit 40 or 50 rucks, then maybe that's not too bad. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think we've had a pretty um, solid covering of the stats. There's nothing too um, glaring that, that I think right. we've missed out, apart from the fact that we apparently limited them to one offload in Pretoria last year. Um, I think that's very much just an anomaly, and I don't think we can rely on that as. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy for an for an all black team who specialize in that sort of thing. Like, uh, wow, <laughs> let's yeah, see. That's I mean, impressive. <laughs> I yeah. reckon if we can, then again, that's the game that we lost. So maybe we should let them offload more. <laughs> Hope that they drop <laughs> yeah. it. In the process. Um, right. But yeah, I think I think we can can wrap it up there. Um, I think the last thing we just need to to do is, yeah. The next game that we play then is in a World Cup. What's going to happen? Yeah, so, I mean, I think because it's at a neutral ground and um, there's, there won't be a sort of clear, anyone with clear momentum, uh, it, there's quite a long gap in between the end of the rugby championship and the beginning of the World Cup. Well, I think about a month, maybe not that long. But... Um, I'm feeling quite confident. I don't know about you for the Springboks. I think that because they've been building and the stats show that, you know, they've been steadily improving upon things that they've been planning on improving, like you were saying, kicks and players going up. And we've been seeing a lot better kicks too, like more meaningful. I know Billy had a couple of wayward ones, but um, I think that the lineouts are something that they can sort out. Scrums, we're feeling pretty confident about. So... In terms of um, restricting the possession, I don't think that we're going to see another match like last year in Wellington, and I don't think that's what the Springboks want to see either. But um, I would like to think that it will be closer to the match that we saw in Pretoria and a little bit more um, lucky for the Springboks on the scoreboard, hopefully. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. I think... um... I've I've got a lot of faith in Rusty. I think he's been very clear about what his plans are, what he's trying to achieve. And I think on pretty much all fronts, he's delivered on those. You know, his strategy of resting players and then sending them early to All Blacks, to, to New Zealand, sorry. You know, that pretty much paid off. This game plan in the first half was spot on. Like, yeah. So I think, I think he's demonstrated that he knows what he's doing. He will have targeted that first game. Um, yeah. And I think, as you say, we are trending nicely. We had a very late start in our preparations, um, given that we had, you know, had the dark days that Alistair could see it to recover from. But I think the, <laughs> the improvements we've made and the, the, the visible implementation of the game plan, how it's developed over the last year, has been very, very impressive. So, you know, I think if the squad can stick together for another two months, um, which, you know, they should be, there's... I think, yeah, I really do think we've got a, a chance. I mean, I think I feel a bit nervous in saying that, but yeah, I think we could be walking into that game at least 50-50, if not slight favourites. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot depends on what happens for the All Blacks in between now and the World Cup, because I think that they're going to play their strongest team um, against Australia next weekend. So that should, we should see the best combinations. I don't think we'll see Moanga and Barrett again, so... In yeah, at least in so. tandem, yeah. That's, so I, I feel very much the opposite. I think that's their answer to the D Mac injury. The fact that you know they they're looking to use this dual playmaker to try and get around the rush defense, 
Um, for sure, yeah. Their way to do that because they don't really have another fifteen. Yeah. 15 can play ten if you know what I mean. Barrett's kind yeah. of one, and they spend two years grooming Dmac to do it. So. That's I think true. And Barrett gives you that pace from fullback. Yeah. So I think that's. I mean, I, yeah, that's the impression I've got is that the, that's the game plan they're trying to play. Um, okay. You know, uh, and I mean, the alternative is moving Ben Smith back to fullback, but then who do you bring on the right wing? Sure. You know, and like, like the, clear the, obvious options there either. Or yeah, no one is, is a, better than Chimawanga anyway. Yeah, it's a problem position for them. I think we were saying like number six is a problem. Right wing could potentially be a problem. And we don't know what they're going to do at 12. So, um, yeah, so I think we'll see. But we'll see what their intention is. I think Steve Hansen said he wanted to target the Australian Bledisloe Cup game. So we're going to see, I think, what their first choice is. And if they can, even though it's a shorter time period, if they just build steadily now and they're they always capable of pulling something out the bag and you can never be too careful or too confident against the All Blacks. So it certainly okay. won't be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I wouldn't suggest that we are clear favourites. I think maybe form is favouring us slightly, but sure. again, in a one-off in a one-off game, it, you never know. But the either way, the thing that I'm most excited about is it doesn't really matter ultimately, which is quite nice. Yeah, for sure. You know, just like us versus England in 2007, we hammered them in the round robin phase, but they were right. still there against us in the final, and That's, you know that yeah. game was pretty close so kind of irrelevant of that first game it doesn't have too much of a bearing on the rest of the world cup fortunately but it would obviously be a very nice um mark to put in the sand um up front yeah and i mean it would be pretty amazing if it um if it was a, a good game between the two of them and then we got a repeat in the final i'm i know i'm counting my chickens here but uh, <laughs> you know we can all dream we can yeah <laughs> all uh, right on that note i think it's it's time to wrap up um okay. yeah thank you very much for for joining for this little bonus yeah, thanks. Midweek episode. Um, thanks for having me i think it went well yeah um yeah hopefully our predictions do come true um yeah cheers <laughs> cheers <laughs>